That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. Well, that's what she said. Welcome to That's What She Said, conversations with interesting people from the world of sports, music, comedy, and more, talking about their lives, careers, successes, and failures. What's up, everybody? Fowdy, can you hear me? Oh, now I got you. Well, you know, you were supposed to start the show, and all we got was you just staring into the ether, which, you know, kind of is the way 2020 is going. Uh, it would not have been right for us to just, you know, tech issues, no tech issues, everything smooth. We just got a blind-eyed uh, uh, Julie Foudy. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought there was going to be more sound. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, my sound just disappeared. Yeah, what yeah, because you were supposed to be, you were supposed Fine. to be. That was me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, I'm you. Yeah. Sorry about that. Well, let's uh, let's get into it. This is That's What She Said with Sarah Spain, presented by Coors Light, the beer made to chill. Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And after that start, I'm just, you know, <laughs> take the edge off. Okay. Uh, I have to think, like, what in the heck happened? There's yeah. no sound. Yeah, okay. hopefully everyone can just bail on the, uh, the, the black screen or your uh, confused face. Uh, you have a dilemma, I imagine. I do. Can I tell you my dilemma? Yes. I've actually thought long and hard about this because I have a lot of deep, dark dilemmas right now, as you know, Spainer. Um, but I'm going with a kid-derived dilemma because okay. it is about Halloween, about almost around the corner. And um, they think, as they think about their costumes, because we are pretending that we live in a normal world right now and <laughs> that it's not a complete, you know what, uh, and that we're going to have Halloween. Uh, they think that I should not wear the same costume two years in a row. Oh, However, okay. I am of the mindset that I have found my dream costume of all <laughs> costumes and that I'm going to wear this for the rest of my life every year at Halloween. Okay. What's the costume? A whoopee cushion. I am. I mean, cushion. how old are you? 65? It's the greatest <laughs> costume ever. It's comfortable. I carry a whoopee cushion with me so I can actually make the sound fantastic okay all right i this this dilemma is an easy one to fix because i am vehemently against the repetition of halloween costumes unless you have a very good reason for it and a whoopee cushion once is funny carrying around and making the fart noises once is funny especially if you're 65 or older but you need to step up your game your kids are right uh none of you are allowed to be anyone from tiger king i think that's going to be a little bit overdone this year but i i demand a new costume and I want photographic proof of it. Okay. All right. I'm All right. Brought that up. Yeah. No, you I shouldn't have asked because you didn't it. get the answer you were looking for. Right. No, no, not solution. You're on their side and I'm not. I am. That. Well, I mean, Fowdy, you know me, I have literally a closet. Yes. Full I do. Of, I should have like known. A closet for, that would be full for someone's normal clothing. I have of Halloween related items. So I'm not the person to ask about the repetition on the costumes. This is Julie Foudy. She is a two-time gold medalist at the Olympics, a two-time World Cup champion, a National Soccer Hall of Famer. She was a captain of the U.S. Women's National Team for 14 years, and you played for the team from 87 to 2004, which is a ridiculously long time to be in shape enough to run around <laughs> on a pitch. And based on recent videos, you are still in that good of shape, which is insane. Uh, how are you holding up? Let's just start with that. It is 2020. We have to ask the question about the unprecedented times. Yeah, that's a loaded question. <laughs> anyone who asks, like, how are you doing? What are you supposed to say? Does anyone? I say fine, all things considered. Because I feel like if you say better than ever, I'm great. People are like, what are you on? Or like, yeah, are you? No, I don't even say, I, I'm like, 
I'm not, I'm not good. I'm not good. Honestly, that's yeah. what I said, which is so unlike me. Cause you know, I'm like glass half full optimism. We're going to be fine. I'm not feeling that right now. That goes back to my dilemma questions. I had a lot of deep dark. Ones. Right. You wanted to get a little darker with it, but due uh -huh. to uh, Disney we prohibition, we, Instead, yeah. we started off with this. Yeah. Just staring blankly into the void, which checks out as well. Uh, I'm wearing my Bird Rapino 2020, which I'll probably wear for the next month plus straight, just as a constant settling down, just, you know, when things get a little too anxious about all that stuff. Uh, that's just gonna, I was gonna go rub like this, but that's now weird because I just felt myself up. But, you know, you know what I meant with the vibe of like, just, you know, feel good about my, my Bird and yeah. Rapino. Um, you feel good about, so, you know, your chest too. It's a good thing. Right. It's fine. I, that's one upside of 2020. Still there. Still there, still upright, right? For as long as I could keep Never it. had that upside, actually. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned you're not doing great, but I will say you have had an interesting and exciting 2020. While everything else has been falling apart, a couple really big announcements for you. And it started back very early in quarantine with a video on Twitter of a bunch of the 99ers World Cup team passing each other the ball and announcing a Netflix feature film. Not another documentary. You've already done one of those. Not an ESPN, you know, uh, uh, 11 for 11 or whatever it was. Nine for nine, I guess it makes sense because it was, it, was, it was for title nine. Nine for nine. Um, a feature film based on uh, the book, The Girls of Summer, the U.S. women's soccer team and how it changed the world. So what is it like to sell your life rights? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy because we've actually, we've actually talked about this as a group and have worked with the legendary producer, Ross Greenberg. He did Miracle and he's, I think he has literally, I'm not kidding, 58 Emmys um, oh. that he's won. And he forever, I call him the great feminist, has been an advocate for making this into a feature film. You know, scripted, casted, all of it, years in the making. And so for a long time, we've, we've actually written a few scripts, we've gone over different scripts. Um, and so to finally see it come to fruition is incredible. And with um, Liza Chasen, who is this incredible producer at Netflix, and uh, we have a female writer now, they just hired Dana Stevens. So it's gonna be largely women-led, women-run, which I love um, with this. And it's, and who knows? I mean, who knows who's gonna play who, but it's super fun yeah. having that, that drinking it, game. It does take a long time, huh? Uh, so the story I did about the Kansas City Chiefs running backs coach, Dylan McCullough, right after it came out, it was just an endless, like awesome people reaching out, Reese Witherspoon's company and, um, uh, you know, Eric Stone Street's company, all these people coming. And then once you agree to work with someone, then you just sit around, you're like, wait, so when's this happening? And they're like, it just takes a really long time. So I'm not hardened by the yeah. fact that the 99ers are not yet uh, made into a movie. This It's been a while. Um, so you have no idea who's playing you yet. That's like the most fun part, right? Yeah, I, I know. Exactly. I, and more importantly, do we have a say in it? I don't think so. I'm like, come on, put that, in, put that in the contract. Yeah. I, want, I want Dolly Parton to play me. <laughs> I, I don't, uh, yeah, and that, you know, they say once they write it, she's interviewing all of us right now, the writer, she's gotta go through all that research, then they gotta write it, and then they'll find a director, and then right. they'll Right, so, because if they started casting it when you started working on the movie, the people would be um, your age now, and it wouldn't be as believable <laughs> that they were. <laughs> exactly. Uh, who's, I mean, I know you've thought about this. Like you, Mia, Brandy, who have you talked about that you would want to play you? Well, interestingly enough, we have a whole new cast of characters at Angel City now. 
Ooh. Why couldn't we just choose from that awesome pool? That so I would be incredible, an ambitious crossover event, but I'm here for it. Yeah, right. So, I mean, we'll talk about Angel City too, but we have that ownership group with um, the Los Angeles New Women's Professional Team, which is Natalie Portman, Jennifer Garner, uh, yeah. Eva Longoria, America Ferreira, Uzo Duba. I mean, you go down the list. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Garner. I mean, who am I, who am I missing? So it's, I, and, you know, I don't know how they're going to cast if it's us in our twenties or how they right. do that. But um, I mean, that right there is a great list to choose from. So. Yeah. I, I, I think they might have to start younger for if they're going 10 year journey. Right? right. So how, how old were you in 89? 89. Oh, if you go way back, I was 17, 18. Right. Cause I think they said it's sort of the 10 year journey leading up to the victory in 99. So yeah. they're going to start probably pretty young. I think they're going to actually start around probably the, they may do a little bit on the first world cup in 91, but it's sounding like more like 95 because okay. we that world cup. Right. So Cause so much came after you won too. That's so much a part of the story. It wasn't just the victory, but the yeah. way you guys fought then after the fact to build on what you did. Um, are there a lot of stories and, and maybe pieces of drama that we haven't yet heard about that team? Because it's yeah. unbelievable how much you guys have maintained relevance and you're still such a touch point for women's sports. Yeah, there are some there are some really good which haven't been drawn out at all. I mean, you could find them if you like are a hardcore soccer fan, but there's these incredible stories with Mia and myself at negotiating tables or having a lot of uh, a lot of wine with, you know, the guys were just been like screaming at for the last 5 hours and our lawyers like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "What? They're they're buying us these like $1000 meals. Of course we're going with them to drink and eat." <laughs> turn up free food just because I yelled at them all day. Yeah, yeah. So we have and we my have, relationships. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we have all these incredible um, negotiating stories that people don't, I don't think they realize the depth of that um, tension. I mean, it was, it was super contentious for years with them until Billie Jean King came into our lives and then was like, wake up, let's go. All right. Gosh, I hope that's in the movie too. Uh, and I remember you talking about pitching things like let's go on a tour let's take advantage of our success and our popularity and them saying no so you put on the tour yourselves and then they come back and try to get money from it and you're like uh-uh we yeah. told you we would and that's one of my favorite parts about that team is at every turn you bet on yourselves and at every turn it paid off and it, it to me is just a microcosm for women's sports in general we're never willing to invest in a way that's that that's fitting for the belief that that these players have and that the fans have and then after the fact we're like oh all the jerseys sold out i guess we should have had more than a hundred available when we announced them we're like oh they they sold out the stadium i guess we should have gotten a bigger one it's like why don't we ever learn and then do better the next time it's frustrating exactly and that you have to take the initiative or it's not going to get done i love the story of the recent group with alex morgan saying to me in, a, in an interview i did with her last year i hadn't known she said we kept talking about merchandise and selling merchandise and doing shirts and doing jerseys and all these things. And we couldn't get them to do it at the rate we wanted to do it. And so we're like, why are we waiting on them? And I'm like, exactly. Yeah. So same principle was like, let's start our own t-shirt company. So Alex, I think Ali Long and maybe one other, I forget who the third one was on the national team. They started this super successful t-shirt company where they sold yeah. all these great, you know, so us cool. versus everyone you might've seen them everywhere. So I don't know. It's just like, it, it, you just constantly think things are going to change and it takes far too long until the women just yeah. finally go, all right, I'll do it. I'll exactly. do it. Exactly. 
Exactly. And, and Rapino and Tobin and Press are doing their own uh, clothing company as well, in addition to, to, to the uh, U.S. versus everyone. So they're all kind of stepping out and saying, fine, we'll make, we'll make the money for ourselves. You don't need to get the cut. We're cool with that. Um, <laughs> let's talk Angel City FC. I, I can't explain to you. First of all, you gave me a little hint like a day before, but um, I was like really mad that I didn't like just a day one. I wanted like a behind the scenes on all of this. So I'm excited that we're going to get it. You mentioned uh, some of the activists and actors and entrepreneurs and athletes involved. Um, in addition to the ones you mentioned, Alexis Ohani and Serena Williams' husband, who's a, a, one of the Reddit co-founders and has tons and tons of money. Uh, Abby Wambach, America Ferreira, Glennon Doyle, Jessica Chastain, Lily Singh, uh, Mia Hamm. Uzo Aduba, um, who were you the most starstruck when you met with them for this project or to, to discuss found, uh, being a founder or investor? Probably Natalie. I am, and I'm not a starstruck type at all. Like I'm not into that Hollywood crowd. I, you know, yeah, unless I, you're meeting like Tina Fey and then sending a photo to me about how cool it was, but not inviting me. Actually that, yeah, I, I will say. Yeah, that was cool for you. <laughs> so, so uh, the thing I love about Natalie, though, is she she has been the catalyst behind all of this, right? She was the one who started with the idea. She's the one who took it to Karen Nortman, who's the venture capitalist, who then took it to Julie Ehrman. And those are the first three women, Julie now the president, and Kara an investor and founding owner. And Natalie, but it started with Natalie saying to Kara, why, and uh, I think through the Time's Up board, you know, why, why aren't we doing more with women's right. soccer? Why isn't there a team here? Why can't we bring one to Los Angeles? And she just kept asking and getting more interested in it. And then she got to meet some of the team, the current team. And then she got to see him at the World Cup. She was over in France for a bit of it. And then she started to think, you know, I feel like my kids, you know, both my daughter and my son should have the opportunity to, say, to see women play professionally in Los Angeles and let's do this. Yeah. And then she just opened, I mean, she literally go to meetings, Sarah, she would, you know, go to pitches. I mean, talk yeah. about like just rolling up her sleeves and being all in. And that just makes that. me feel like, oh, yeah. when I wasn't a pandemic, I'd give you a big squeeze. <laughs> well, uh, from what I heard, it was she was at an event that Abby Wambach was speaking at. And yep. she was saying something similar to her speech at Barnard, which inspired her Wolfpack book, which has been something Definitely. she talks about a lot. Essentially, I'm on the stage at the ESPYs with Kobe and Peyton Manning. We're all retiring at the same time. And I look over and realize these two guys are set. They have untold millions. They will never have to work again unless they want to. They get to choose whatever they want to be invested in or do. And I'm the greatest women's soccer player ever. I have all these records and I got to start over right now. And it's such a different position to be in. How unfair is that, that I've done all the same work and invested as much myself. And Natalie heard that and was like, that is bullshit. Like, how come she can't own a team? How, she, how come she can't do what all these guys do when it, when it comes to ownership and investment after the fact? So I just love that people heard it and people say, oh, that's bullshit. And then then that's it. it. And that's That's it. it. They just get angry about it. And they're like, oh, okay, it's bullshit. Right. Like, no, I am going to follow up. I'm going to get it done. It's, it's incredible. To your point about the Abby speech too, we just had our first big owner call, big zoom. And it's like, oh, hey, Eva. (laughs) Hey, Natalie. What's up, (laughs) Jen? Can I call you Jen? (laughs) Hi, I'm Julie. Yeah. Hi. Um, so they, uh, Abby was on and, and Glennon and everyone was on and, um, and Abby made the suggestion, if we do anything, can we start a retirement fund for these players as well? Love it. Point? Yeah. Like, and just thinking differently and thinking out of the box, which is what 
honestly attracted all of us to this group beyond this incredible group of women. Yeah, that's so fantastic. Um, it's more than just a soccer team. It, and it, as of right now, you guys aren't starting till 2022. That's the intended start season. Um, but on the website, it's today we commit, we will write a new playbook, one that's uniquely ours. We'll reshape expectations, exceptions, and think differently about ownership, ticketing, partnerships, and community collaboration, create the ultimate fan experience, provide an incredible opportunity for players, coaches, and staff to represent LA with pride, make a positive impact on our community, and bring LA's influence to the global football community, and ignite higher expectations on and off the field with players, communities, and youth. That's so important because I'll tell you, I've been in touch with the owner of the Red Stars here in Chicago saying, hey, should we do this? Should we get a bunch of Chicago people to help and, and join in your investment and your ownership and make it not just about you? How many other teams will be influenced by this? And how do we make this the model instead of the exception, understanding that it's tough to have that kind of star power. Uh, not everybody's going to be able to maybe wrangle the, the uh, co-Reddit owner, but, um, but yeah, I mean, how yeah, and that's their this dream. Could be? Yeah. And that's their dream. I mean, honestly, they would love to say, let's do this in other cities. Let's go to New York, New Jersey. Let's go to Chicago. Let's create. And the really cool thing is it's all these different silos that aren't typically working together. And that's what's really refreshing when, you know, we're all on this call together and it's these actresses and it's these tech entrepreneurs and it's, um, and it's these soccer players. And you're like, oh my God, this is in celebrities. And it's like, this is so cool. We're all in this together and care deeply about it. And how can we create this playbook for yeah. other cities to do? And I, I don't think it's out of the question. I think it's something that could be very realistic and, could cross over to other sports, of course, right? I could see Absolutely. it happening in other franchises. So, um, I mean, and the neat thing is, to your point about the website, is they want to think so differently, right? They want to think out of the box. And even on the call, they were mentioning how one of their first community outreach um, things they were doing was with a local Hispanic community center. And America Forever goes, can I come? I would yeah. like to show up. And they, they're like, um, yeah, <laughs> thank you. I mean, like they're that invested yeah. in it. So I love to see that it's all about, okay, we're going to not just put on a kick-ass soccer, you know, entertaining uh, product, but we're going to actually help our community in a really meaningful, different way. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And, and it, I think it's going to change the way people see it. One of the things that's key to making women's sports more front and center and, and more investment from fans is making them cool. Like one of the things about sports is that people want to be involved in the cool thing and the thing that there's a community around, whether that's going to a tailgate or this is what we all go watch at the bar together. It's a very communal experience for the not super diehards that are glued to their couch for every game, no matter what. Yep. And that takes an investment on the television side, on the media side of covering it, but also wearing jerseys out and about town that, that tell people it's cool to be an Angel City fan. Um, what, is, what does it mean in terms of the, the diversity of people owning your expectations for how do we make this about more than just soccer, that people are going to want to be at these games and Angel City events because of the people that are involved? Yeah. Oh, and that, and that's going to be a huge part of it. And, Look, it's a, you know, and as will be with a lot of these, if they do this playbook, it's, you know, obviously larger markets are going to, it's going to help, but it's got a lot of competition with entertainment and dollars being, you know, spent on other sports and other teams and other, you know, other leagues. So um, I think we go in knowing it's still going to be hard, but you have that factor of one, you have this incredibly uh, 
interesting group of uh, of of people from different uh, industries that are coming together to do this, and two who care deeply about the community. But I think you have to prove you care deeply about the community, right? And that's so. I think there's going to be a lot of actionable items in the community that are going to separate it out different from you know what what we're seeing uh, done now. And that's where I'm hoping because of the reach. I mean, you look at the reach. Yeah. You know, Becky G was on our. <laughs> Is on our call. She's an owner too. She's a young Latin singer. It's this incredible story, you know, and I go to her Instagram account and I was like, Oh, I wonder, you know, who Becky G, you know, her background is a little bit more. Oh, 29 million followers on Instagram. I was like, okay, I guess I should know more about Becky G. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I'm, I'm curious because there's been a number of high profile NWSL players going abroad, going to European teams. Is there any concern that at the same time NWSL is sort of peaking in terms of interest and support, there are a lot of players going elsewhere? And is that going to affect your ability to draw the best talent? If we weren't screwing up this pandemic as much as we were in the current mm. moment, right? I, you know, if life was normal, I would say, yeah, that concerns me that we're losing all our star talent. But right now, it's like, where are they going to play in this country? No one wants to come here to play. So the national team's not playing, right? You're not even training. They're talking about possibly having a training camp in October for the national team. You're getting some training in with your team. They had the Challenge Cup, of course. They're now playing this fall series. But it's not meaningful games like they're getting in Europe. Right. Where they're back in their season. They're back training. They're fully training. And they're fully playing. And so... I get it. I would go. And I actually think, you know, it would have been a huge mistake for NWSL to say, no, we don't want you to go because they're going to grow. They're going to get better. And then they hopefully come back. Yeah. And a lot of them are coming back at the end of the year with the hopes, of course, that this country can actually be in a better place and be playing, but they got to get games. I mean, yeah. some of them hadn't played. I mean, Mayor Rapino hasn't played since March, right? Yeah. Think about that. To go seven months. Yeah. So well, and hopefully if they establish really great rapport with fan bases out there, those fans then want to watch them when they come back to their NWSL teams. I know, you know, Yuki from the Red Stars is playing for a men's team out in Japan. And I've been curious, like going to look up how that's, you know, what's, how's that going to go and what's she doing? And that's only because I love Yuki from the Red Stars. So hopefully that happens with some of those European fans out there too, getting into uh, NWSL games. Um, I want to talk about, you mentioned that, uh, the, there were fr there was a friendly in California, and we saw some of those stars, all of whom are now Angel City owners and investors, wearing jerseys for all the different team members. It was Uzo and Jennifer and Jessica Chastain and a Ava Longoria and everybody. Was that – did you guys know way back then that this was happening, or was that sort of like a let's hang out and see the product before we commit? I actually did know back then. What? Uh yeah, I, well, the, I'm genuinely angry. This is not an act. I can't believe, like, just no quick text, like, hey, Spanner, you can't say anything, but, like, this is really cool. I like, keep it up. No, no, there was no, it wasn't, it hadn't come to fruition like it, it is now, of course, but there was the rumblings of, we got Natalie, we got Kara, and we got Julia. We've got these three awesome women who I want you to meet who are really interested in bringing a team to L.A. And those conversations have been going on for about a year and a half. So it was, you know, you got to meet them. I finally met the three of them at an event in January at the start of this year. Um, 
And then, you know, and again, that was when Natalie was meeting and sitting down and, you know, yeah. sitting with Alexis to pitch it and sitting with all these different people to talk about coming into the ownership group. And then once you get to, you know, this tipping point effect, you know, you, you get to where you have all these names. How can, how can you not want to be a part of it? Right. Right. So right. That's a really cool thing. I mean, Billie Jean King is now an owner with a lot oh, of partners. Save some people for the other teams. <laughs> like I, we're going to need some traders to jump ship from Angels city to some other teams once we get want to do chicago as well we actually have i've actually told players like you know what who wanted to come in like do it in your city yeah go go into northern cal and started in northern cal go into new york and started in new york right so um, i want to put owner on my resume okay i'm in on this too i'm gonna get chicago together we got some people here we're gonna make it happen um, I love it. I'm so excited. I think you should have a documentarian be following the lead up to the, are you doing that? Because I think just the, even the zoom calls and the behind the scenes meetings oh, between yeah, we recorded it. You got it. Oh, we are. Hey, <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Right. I love Thank it. Because Content, baby. Content is king. And we want to see that though. We want to see those yes. conversations where someone from tech is sharing and they hit on a moment where they connect over the same problem or the same barrier or the same issue. Um, I love that. And I love that Serena and Alexis's uh, daughter is the youngest. I think Pablo Torre said, uh, definitely cornering the market on the, on the uh, Forbes two under two. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The only two year old that is an owner. Um, I was a little little disappointed. I think she was napping during the zoom. So she, wow. Already sleeping on the job. Entitlement of two very rich parents. And it's something that they're they're going to need to get on that early or else it's going to be a real shit show. Um, well, I'm just, I, I mean, I could talk about that forever and you will come back. You were on in 2017, so you already did the Spanish Inquisition, but we have lots of questions and dilemmas for you from fans and um, we'll go through them pretty quick because I want to get to as many as, as we can. And I'm just so excited. So many people are here and so many people gave us such great questions and dilemmas. Um, I want to start with this one because I think it's my favorite. Alana Robbins from Philadelphia says, in honor of your Coors Light sponsor, thank you, Coors Light, which five national team members, both 99 and present, would you pick to back you up in a bar fight? Now, of course, Coors Light does not endorse violence or alcohol or anything, but just, uh, you know, in, in, pre- in theory, if someone were to come after you at a bar, Julie, if you ever went to a bar, uh, which five players would you want to have your back? That's a great question. Um, Michelle Akers, for sure. Uh, Hope Solo, for okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yep. Gotta put her on that list. Yep, uh-huh. Don't want to get in a dark alley with her. Um, let's see. Uh, Cindy Parlo, our current president. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Carla Overbeck, our former captain. Yeah. You do not mess with Carla. No, <laughs> sir. Uh, how many is that? is that? Am I there? Am I four? Is that four? Michelle. Cindy. I think you need one more. Carla. Um, Mia, because Mia would like talk wow. about it. She'd talk him down. She'd I like, like how you also like, you went with old woman strength over the, over the youngsters. Oh, right. I thought they said, did they say 99ers? I mean, I'm be present too, but I appreciate that you basically just were a complete homer and you went with only your own teammates. I respect that. Current too? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who is the current team? Sydney LaRue. She, I oh. mean, she's kind of current. I'd get Sid in there. Yeah. Sid would someone else. Oh, 
Yeah, pardon my language if there's any kids out there. Um, Lisa Audi from Albany, uh, she attended the World Cup final in Pasadena and suffered heat exhaustion. How the hell did you play in that? Brandy has this great line where she always says, do people come up to you all the time and, are, and say, God, it was hot in there? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, no shit. Try running in the middle of it. My feet were melting into the plastic. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was hot. It was really hot. And I'm sorry that they ran out of water. I think they ran out of water, which was part of the problem for the fans. We didn't yeah. have water on the stands. Yeah. Oh, what a surprise. A women's event where they didn't plan for enough fans. And them to <laughs> Thank spend you for money. being there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm jealous that she was there. That's so cool. I went, I saw you at Soldier Field uh, when I was just a young kid. Oh, versus Nigeria. I don't think I knew that, Spanner. Did I know that? Um, David Creek from Philadelphia. Been working from home since March. I might have to go back to work soon, but I don't want to wear pants ever again. What should I do? Don't wear pants ever again. Why? You against HR, Foudy? I mean, there's rules. There's rules for a reason. No. You wear shorts, jammies. You don't have to go to the khakis. We don't know what kind of job David has. I don't know if he has a job where you can wear jammies. (laughs) <laughs> not all of us are so lucky <laughs> oh what are we getting we're getting a good shot of oh i got uh i got my little yeah, lemon. My sh- yeah, yeah, i got yeah. shorts on I, I still have my workout stuff nice nice i know um, that's no gonna answers. be hard i'm with you it's gonna be hard but i think that there's like these new companies where they make pants that look like they're like a khaki or like a nicer pant but they're actually like sweatpant material so he might be able to get sneaky or, or David, just come into television like us. You never. Perfect. Yeah, you just have to dress from the waist up. You're fine. Uh, Ahmed. All the time. Ahmed from Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, do you ladies find it difficult to speak out on social justice issues while having to stay within corporate guidelines? Oh, God. Here we go. Trying to get us fired. God, I'm so sorry, Ahmed. I'm having technical difficulties. <laughs> uh, what? what? I hear my mic is no longer working. Someone's watching. It'll be like my look at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Um, I do find it uh, hard, Ahmed. I try to focus on the issues themselves and issues of fairness and equality and issues that I do not think are disputable or arguable or in any way remotely salacious because they are based solely on what is fair and right. And then I focus less on individuals or even necessarily policy, unless I could speak eloquently and with education to why the policy is wrong. Um, that, is, that requires a level of maturity that I don't always have. Uh, my drafts folder is full. <laughs> <laughs> and when I have too many Coors Lights, I essentially have to tell myself to put the tweeter in the holster and not engage because my opinion on what is allowed to say and not be said uh, isn't always great then. How about you, Foudy? <laughs> I have none of those problems. I'm, fine. <laughs> I'm totally fine with how things are right now. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I try and, and I, and I, and I, uh, I've, I'm constantly having these conversations with my kids as well is I try and make it less about politics and just about human decency. Right. Like I, that, that's where I get just like physically nauseous and uh, visceral about just the way this country has conducted itself in some manner. Um, 
And so I try and keep it to, you know, and to leadership things. I, I, you know, I'm fascinated by leadership styles. I do a ton in this space already. So I'm fascinated with how people lead, how they don't lead, the type of leadership we need, whether you're a man, a woman, whether you're red, whether you're blue, I think they all have a commonality uh, and a morality that I want to talk to. And so yeah. that's where I think, um, you know, I'd love to say more about it, uh, but I get it as well. I understand right. some of our right. restrictions. Uh, your book, Choose to Matter, which is right behind me. Oh, look at you. Addresses some of those issues of leadership and how we conduct ourselves. And it is worth noting that by being told that I can't post as much, I came to the awareness that posting is not action and it feels good in the moment and it feels useful, but there are so many things you can actually do with your time and your money and your influence uh, that go beyond social media that are actually more important than that momentary satisfaction of taking the knees. To that point, I was thinking, I want to become a poll worker. Oh, I was thinking about that. I don't know how much of a time commitment it is, but I wanted to look into it because there's yeah. one right down the street from me that I was thinking about working on election day. And yeah, I already got the day off because someone was a little worried about my trustworthiness at my job on that day. So day off. Great. Super. Um, I'm going to look into that. Yeah, but I agree. You can be much more actionable in a much more meaningful way. Yeah. Um, hey, quickly, someone asked about this today, and I, I used my FaceTime on Around the Horn about it. Uh, the San Diego loyal team that Landon Donovan um, uh, coaches walked out of their match last night because um, a player from the opposing team used uh, a gay slur, Jamaican-based slur, uh, for an out gay player on the loyal team. Um, and then a week or so ago, it was the same issue, but with racism. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts? I mean, I know that soccer has had this problem and will continue to have this problem, but do you feel like things like that where it's a full on, we're not going to play, we're out of here yeah. are kind of the only step that's going to work because we've already talked about it to death. I, I loved his reaction. There's a video online, if you haven't seen it, where he's actually, and you can catch the audio, he's having the debate with the opposing coach yeah. and the referees. And he's saying, listen, um, it, it was said, we heard it. I'm, we're not okay with it. Can you please do something about it? And so what they decided, which is remarkable because of the incident that happened last week with racism, is that if something happens like this, they're not just going to speak up, they're going to take action. Mm -hmm. And so they made a commitment as a team to say, we're going to actually do something actionable, to your point, Sarah, of, you know, when, when this happens again. And little did they know it would happen the very next week. And so Landon said that he went to actually the referee and said, if you're not going to um, kick him out of the game for that, um, and the coach isn't going to sub him out of the game for that, then we're just not going to be able to play. And the referee said, well, we can't. I didn't hear it. I didn't know what it means. And the coach uh, declined to sub him out, sadly. Mm -hmm. And so Landon said, I felt we had no other recourse but to stop playing. And I'm just so proud that they took that because it was a playoff game, right? They were trying to continue their season. And this is a huge game for them. Yeah. Or at, maybe not a playoff game, but at a it's, right, it's about the right before the playoffs. It's about to be yeah. the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it was disappointing that the other coach said, how long you've been playing soccer. It's part of the game, right? Yeah. Shrugged it off. And I think bringing attention to that and that video being out there is going to make as much of a change as walking off the pitch did because right. of the attention that coach is going to get for just wanting to shrug it off. 
like right. it has been. And I, um, and I hope that is the change that comes too in all of our lives, right? Instead of just, yeah, okay, it's, yeah, that happens all the time. Like actually saying something and saying, no, this isn't right. right. I mean, I've made this personal oath myself. Right. In all of the more subtle forms of racism or homophobic slurs you hear. Yeah. Uh, Morgan from Australia. Shout out to Morgan from Australia. I have no idea what time it is there, but uh, shout out to you. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! Oi, oi, oi! As a young, opinionated female, I'm constantly seen as the bossy bitch rather than the passionate leader I want to be. Please help me. Patty, how do you do it? No one would ever call you a bitch. <laughs> Um, you know, it's hard. It's hard, uh, when you're a minority voice or minority gender, it's hard to keep standing up and keep speaking up. Um, and it's, it's why it's so important that we have diversity around the table. It's why they talk about that 30% rule so that it's, you know, there's an echo chamber. There's people who are there who look like you, who sound like you, who can back you up. Um, and all those things matter. But unless one person starts that conversation or says it, then it doesn't get said. And, you know, and it's the Landon Donovan situation. Unless he stands up and they stand up and actually act, it's not going to change anything. And so as hard as it is, and as much as you get called a name, you know, and I always tried to do it. Um, and I, you know, this is my personal thing is I, I always tried to do it with some humor. Uh, yeah. and a smile but when they didn't get it it, it wasn't like I was joking it was like you know you had to come in them a little harder right. if they didn't get it um but I, I would do it in degrees joking smile and they're not getting it okay we're going to come in a little harder and then yeah. you get to the point you're so angry that it actually causes change and if you can channel that anger to a positive place that's a yeah. thing, I think that's my approach too right if you start with a little bit of wit and you make everyone more comfortable then you give them the opportunity to go peacefully. Right. And, then, and then if they don't want to have fun with it and then really be listening to what the undercurrent of what you're saying is, then you just get more serious until right. eventually there's, yeah. <laughs> I remember asking Robin Roberts at our ESPNW summit last year, like how do you accomplish all these things and push for all these things and do all these things and have everyone love you? And I think it essentially came down to like, a, it's just a natural way of being that you don't have. Um, I don't think that's literally what she said, but that's how I received it. Um, also, I don't have a Southern mother who has like a perfect phrase for oh, everything. I know, right? Robin's mom. <laughs> Every time she has a tough moment, she's like, my mom Everybody's always got something. Everybody's, Everybody's got, got something. something. Turn your mess into your message. Uh, she's got a ton of them. I was like, thanks for nothing, mom. Um, <laughs> just kidding. My mom is watching and she gave me many things, just not Southern sayings. Um, but uh, Morgan, it's a really tough one. And I'm actually constantly asking women that question. Um, um, I really do because I've been at ESPN for over 10 years now and I've earned a certain level and agency, but I want everyone to want to work with me. And I find that sometimes when I'm firm, it feels like people take it like you're being a bitch. And I'm looking at guys like they've been there longer than me, but you know, I'd look at some of the big radio guys like Stephen A or, or back in the day, uh, Colin Coward. I'm like, if, if this guy acted like this, everyone would scurry to get things done thinking, oh my gosh, he's, he's the guy. And whenever I do anything, I feel like, oh, I'm, hey, no big deal. It's not a big deal. It's not big. And that's frustrating for me because I do want to be fun to work with. I do want people to like working with me, but I also don't want to have people not respect the fact that, you know, I've been here for a while and, and I, and I, you know, shouldn't be treated like I just got here. Uh, and it's tough being a woman because of that. Yeah. It's frustrating too, because that happens all the time, right? Yeah. There's just still, 
even you know the most successful women there's a there's a standard that is so different yeah. oh i remember having amy trask on the podcast she was at an nfl owners meeting and one of the other owners asked her to get him coffee because he thought she was working there and you know what i loved her she answer. did she right did. she went and got it and she brought it back and she gave him the coffee and then she said nice to meet you i'm amy i'm the owner of the raiders and he's mortified <laughs> But she handled it in such a way so that she gave him the benefit of the doubt. And then it was sort of like, and now you know, don't do that again. Um, but I think that's- Without even saying anything. That's right. The uh, I got to work on that part. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not so good at that part. Uh, Shelly Ann from Fountain in South Carolina. Uh, for the soccer parents' unwritten rules, how do you nicely tell other teams to sit on their own side of the field? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know if there's any nice to me in this at all. <laughs> Um, yeah, I actually have to be careful on the sidelines because I, I, um, I want to get at the crazy parents a little bit. And my husband like pulls me back. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm like, that person's crazy. And I'm going to tell them right now. He's like, this is not good. No. <laughs> uh, um, I don't, I don't even know. I, yeah. I, I honestly, they separate us. <laughs> Not on separate sides of the field, but different sides of the sideline, thank God. And that just, I think, is natural selection. That's just yeah. Darwinism at its finest. I would I think, think you would just want to be with your own kind, but then I right? guess maybe it's nice if they're like, let's all be together and just enjoy this as a nice exercise instead of hating each other. Um, all right, two more quick ones. Uh, Ellie from Jefferson, Wisconsin. Hi, I'm 13. I'm in the eighth grade. I love your podcast. How can I convince my mom and dad to get me a cell phone? They're stubborn. Uh, this one's for you because I don't have any kids and I'd be like, give her the cell phone. She needs to listen. So that's what she said, but maybe there's reasons. Oh gosh. So I did this deal with my 13 year old who I just gave a phone to. What was this 13 year old's name again? Uh, Ellie. Ellie. Ellie! Thanks for listening to the pod. Thanks for being part of the Dope Village. Um, because I was really concerned about how consumed all her other friends who had cell phones. I waited until, yeah. actually, it was supposed to be this summer, but I, I broke during quarantine. Um, but it, I was a little, a little concerned at how consumed they were on their phones. And so I said, I don't want to see you buried into your phone all the time. I want your head up. I want you interacting with people. I want you interacting with phones. I mean, with friends. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, my deal, and I'm sorry, mom and dad of Ellie's for saying this out loud, but I'm going to say it, was if you stay off all social media, you don't do any Instagram, you don't do any of that stuff, then um, I, until you're 16, I will pay you $1,600 towards your first car. Whoa. Okay. So a little contract. Yeah. One, but if she stays off social media and so okay. is not consumed and she doesn't have it, uh, until she's 16. As far as you know. As far as I, she might have a little I need to do some research because there's like apps that says like tax yeah. files and then you open it and it's actually just like WhatsApp. Stock market. <laughs> you know the stock market one? Yeah. Yeah. No, she's really into investing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So that, that's my plan. I felt like that was worth the $1,600. Maybe people yeah. tell me that I'm essentially bribing my kids and that's terrible parenting, but you I know what? Here. I don't. It's kind of like, you know, you're, you, you're working towards a goal and then you have both sides. I mean, it's kind of tough to do without the bribing. 
Well, what she doesn't know is I was going to put that money to a car payment anyway. Duh. <laughs> Duh. No. About that Netflix money. What do you think? She's going to be riding around in a hoopty? You can't have that. They'll put it in the movie. Yeah. Um, all right. Last question. There's lots to get to, but I, I, I want your answer to this one because I love this. Brandon in Las Vegas. Uh, Brendan in Las Vegas. Wife and I moved into our first house. Yay. Any advice for making friends with the neighbors? Making friends as an adult is awkward. If anyone knows how to make friends, it's you. Oh, Brendan. Thank you. Um, I always find bringing donuts to anyone is a plus. Who can turn down a good donut? Well, I don't like donuts. It's known on this podcast. I know it's a thing that we... Peter, I forgot that about yeah. you. Yeah. Um, okay, so a baked good. You would go for baked goods, yeah, right? Most, most any other baked good is great. Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not much of a baker. So uh, I think, or just booze. I mean, who's going to yeah. turn that down, really? Right. Right. I, don't know, I do think that right it's now. hard right now. And recently during quarantine, it felt really useful to know your neighbors. And I was disappointed, like being in the city, like when I used to live in a big condo building, it was easy, but in a house and we have a yard for our dogs. So we walk our dogs, but we have different schedules and everyone. So I only know one neighbor of mine that I moved here like three years ago to this house. So I was thinking during this time, it's tough to be near, but I might just put up a sign in a bunch of people's mail just for like two block radius and say, if anyone wants to go to the park at this time and just meet each other, then it's like, everything's closed. Do you have sugar? Or like my blow dryer died and only half my hair is blow dry. <laughs> like, can I borrow it? That kind of thing. Yeah. Well, we do, um, we do, you know, just chairs socially distanced outside on our block. Yeah. Right. So you could do that. And we do a lot of that. We do a lot of Sunday fun days. We okay. have a very social block. So yeah. sometimes I get a little uncomfortable during quarantine. I was like, eh, too, yeah. too close. But we stay, you know, six feet apart. We stay outside. Yeah. Um, I'm in a decent neighborhood. I'm not exactly in your kind of neighborhood. So I don't know <laughs> if I would sit on my sidewalk all day and just see what happens. Um, it, I mean, it's fine. It's, everything's fine. But it's not quite the same as like, you know, <laughs> someone might, someone might, you know, drive by and then not be driving a luxury vehicle which would be offensive to your block but other than that I think <laughs> do you remember when we had that espnw party at the house real quick i know you gotta go yeah. and and after the summit when we used to really do the summit and um jane mcmanus yeah. said you know that someone just knocked on your door and left a brown bag and i said what do you mean she was there's a brown bag on your front door and i was like oh we just got booed she was what's that i go well, that's during halloween the kids like come and drop a bag of candy on your door she was like what if you did that in new york you would get shot <laughs> Well, and then we also got the police called and a very inebriated Sage Steele asked if it was the strippers. And then the police came in and just like watched us party. And they're like, hey, it's Sage. Enjoy the party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, simpler times. <laughs> wow. Yes. Simpler times. Come on. Let's oh, go back. On that joyful note of partying with the police in your backyard. <laughs> Fowdy, we could talk forever. I love you so much. Thank you for doing this. I'm so uh, looking forward to the Netflix theater. movie and Angel City. And when you invite me to invest, uh, it's going to be great. Um, I can't wait for you to start your own team. I'm going to do it. Uh, Chicago, I'm in on it. Red Stars are going to be on the resume. Give me just a couple more months. I'm on it. Um, thank you, Fowdy. Love you. Ah, oh, the best. And you know what's a bummer about, she just mentioned the summit, is that we don't get to have it in person. But the cool thing is, 
we are doing it virtually. And so you do not have to get an invitation. Usually it's an exclusive invite to California, but you can join us at the virtual ESPN Summit. I've been a part of it for years. It's always the best time. This year, it's two days virtual, October 20th to 21st. It's free. You can register at ESPNWSummit.com. And this year's lineup is bonkers. Glennon Doyle, Abby Wambach, Chelsea Clinton, DeMar DeRozan, Simone Manuel, Skylar Diggins, Becky Sauerbrunn, Danny Garcia, Doris Burke, and more, including Natalie Portman. Speaking of, thank you to Julie Foudy for joining us. Her new uh, season of her podcast, Laughter Permitted, starts October 21st and will be live from the summit with Natalie Portman. So if you want to watch that live, you can register for free at ESPNWSummit.com. Also, always be sure to listen to Laughter Permitted all season long, wherever you get your podcasts. We had 14,000 plus people for the ESPNW Summit in the spring virtually. So get on that, ESPNWSummit.com. And of course, a thank you to our sponsor, Coors Light, which is a great time for me to open another beer. These days, it seems like life forces us to be on all the time. But every now and then, it's important to stop and reset. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport is on this fall, Saturdays are your time to chill. No matter what team or sport is playing, Coors Light's the official beer of watching any sport just to drink beer. So flip through the channels, find a sport, crack open a Coors Light, Watching football is therapeutic to fans. It's uninterrupted me time and an excuse to chill and drink beer. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light's the one to choose when you need to unwind, so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look, delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company. Golden, Colorado. Nailed it. Um, so much fun with Bowdy and lots more fun to be had now. Secrets, behind the scenes secrets with Tony and Izzy. Uh, coming on now to join us, my next guest, Tony Reale, the host of Around the Horn, everyone's favorite. And he colored his hair in with a great oh. crayon again. Oh, oh come we'll on. You that. caught me. We'll yeah, you caught that. me. And why he's doing that in a second. Never needs to color his hair. Izzy Gutierrez, panelist around the horn, NBA sideline reporter, writer, all sorts of other stuff. Um, yeah, so let's just quickly get into that. Tony, during quarantine, has grown out his hair and grown in his abs. And he told us that his daughter has hair coloring crayons. And she does, started- hair coloring crayons. She got them for her birthday. She was so excited. I started to go through them and she wanted pink and purple, of course. And then there was a gray one in there. Like, who is this for? She's like, daddy, daddy, I'm gonna put it on you. So we did it and I thought I looked awesome. A silver fox. I'm gonna do this on TV and everybody's gonna be like, oh, reality, what's happened to you? You're falling off. And, and I did it for weeks, weeks. Can I tell you? Said anything. Can I tell you what I thought? What? I just thought your hair was growing out and your yeah, roots like were showing. Else. And so I wasn't yeah. going to make a comment about Nobody it. I was like, hey, look, Tony doesn't. And then I had to say it. I actually had to admit to doing it just so I can get the, ha ha, I got you. And everybody just <laughs> said you're a moron. But you Nobody didn't said, get a ha ha. You get a, huh, okay. Yeah. Sarah, 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 while we were listening to Foudy, I came up with the cast for the 99ers movie. Oh, I'm ready. Can we this quick? Yes. So Jennifer Gardner is Chastain because her fitness level is off the charts. Insane, yeah. You know who Alicia Vikander is? Yeah. So I got her playing Mia Hamm. I think there's there's, there's some bone structure like that. Journey Smollett, not Juicy, but Journey Smollett. Yeah. She's going to play Brianna Scurry. I got Sasha Baron Cohen. 
as Tony DeChico. <laughs> and because, you know, we really want to get the young crowd, I thought CGI or throw it back into an animatronic claymation of a whoopee cushion playing Julie Foudy. There you go. She and and, and, and that, that combines everything that we love about Foudy. She I gets agree. to be her whoopee cushion, and then she's not even in the movie. It's great. I completely agree. I, I would love to see a whoopee cushion with legs playing soccer. I think yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's just what Netflix I, I mean, and then I, I would do the call of the game. I would loan out my service. Oh, that's so nice of you. And, yeah. and it's not, she's not called Foudy in the movie. In the movie, she's just... So it's... So it's ham! To, you know? Back to ham! Back to... Really go! Really amazing! Funny. Yeah. But, you can tell Tony's been spending a lot of time with his kids. Like a lot Sorry. of time. Yeah, Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, Izzy, uh, welcome to the show. You look like you're about to drop the sickest beat ever. Do you have <laughs> have you writing rap songs? Are you, yeah, what is that? Got, like, no, this is the Yeti that um, HQ sent me. Uh, the folks at HQ, highly questionable. That um, yeah, you name dropped. Anthony... You name dropped the show. We all know. Thank you yeah, very much. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, I just got <laughs> to be clear. Uh, and my partner Anthony has commandeered it basically for his own sort of real estate work and work from okay. home. And well, we got the cool desk that goes up and down and stuff. But he gets oh, all the cool stuff oh, because yeah. he knows how to use it and set it up. And I just get to use it every once in a while. Nice. I like <laughs> it. I like the setup. All right. So you guys are on to give behind the scenes around the horn secrets. I'm going to get the obvious ones out of the way so we can get to the good stuff. Yeah. No, we don't know who's going to win. Yes, we all need to have FaceTimes ready. Yes, oftentimes during that commercial break, I said, oh, shit, I forgot I need a FaceTime in case I yes, win. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. <laughs> Occasionally I admit it and someone recommends one. Um, uh, what else? Uh, nobody actually knows how the scoring is done, but you what? retweet it every time someone asks. You well, I mean, it's just yeah, it's it's a good conversation. Mystery. So. It wouldn't be yeah. any fun if you told everyone how you how you score. Does a water um, sommelier tell people what he's tasting for? No, he doesn't. He just does it. She, he or she goes out and sommeliers the water, That's and right. I sommelier whatever it is you guys do. Um, I do want to talk about the old days of Around the Horn because you have been hosting it. You are not that much older than me. And yet I can point to times in my life where I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Oh, I think I'm going to try to get into sports. Right. I'm not like, and I was watching you with Jackie Mack and Woody and these yeah. folks that I now work alongside, which is crazy for me. But like, tell me about the early days. It would have been Cornell for you. You would have been, you would have been at yeah. Cornell probably. I got, yeah. I was doing PTI in 2001. I was 23. Yeah. Um, I was hired to be the researcher on the show, which is an entry level position for a TV show. Um, I mean, the, the, it's not in the video side, it's on, it's on the research and information side. I was, by, by uh, all accounts, a, a nerd, of course, growing up, as we all were. But um, one of the benefits of never going on a date in high school is you learn <laughs> everything about the sports almanac. So I had that awesome. going for me, yeah. Which is uh, nice. Hired to be the researcher who was, you know, going to help Kornheiser and Wilbon make their arguments or correct their arguments before we got on air. But a week before we went to air with PTI, October of 2001, I was fooling around on set with the guys and I was very familiar with the guys yeah. as I am with just about everybody I come across, <laughs> even strangers on the street. And, and, and it was pretty apparent, this could be part of the show. And Kornheiser yeah. and Wilbon wanted something reminiscent of the errors and omissions page, the, the corrections page on a newspaper. And that's how Stat Boy came to be. I, I wasn't that. hired to be on TV. Yeah. I was hired to be the last person in the door on the show, the researcher. Well, you've and been I at had... it forever now. I mean, it's, what's wild is that you grew up on camera, but it yeah, always feels like that, that show was like the right place for you. Um, early on, it had a different vibe. I mean, obviously Kellerman at one point was host. Yes. 
But but even when you took over, it had a different vibe. I feel like the show is so much about your sensibilities and your desire to make it a family. Mm-hmm. How long into it do you feel like you felt like you had the age and gravitas and, yeah. and, and Well, the age and gravitas took a few years, but within a year, I didn't have the show full time. I wasn't hired for about 16 to 18 months. I was just waiting for them to bring down Stu Scott, rest his right. soul. Or, or, or Sage Steele, or, or somebody that we were just talking about um, to host the show. I mean, this is a valuable property. It's now this, regularly the second highest rated show on the network in the daily. So, and PTI, of course, is number one. And I was waiting for that, but I got good advice. Put your head down and, uh, you know, be who you are. And I realized who I was was not who the show was written for. It was written for Max. The show, as it was when you first saw it, was for Sports writers, very regionally based, will make their regional arguments, and then the host will sit in judgment and give his opinion, right, or her opinion, his opinion in this case, to end the discussion. And then you move on. I, I don't really give opinions on the show ever. I give sensibility, maybe, is, what, is yeah. how you wrote. I want tonal influence over the show. I want the show to be reminiscent of the Sunday dinners at my grandparents' house yeah. with my uncles and my aunts and the yelling we did and how you could <laughs> never be muted, but that type of thing. The mute was my mom's baked ziti. You put that in your I mouth, everybody, yeah. what? Yeah, that so, would be, we should do, we should consider that. I would be down for a baked ziti replacement. Oh, baked I don't get bad. muted it's that much, which bad. is nice. I, no. I get muted more at home. It's I like lead, I mean, but, but it's great. <laughs> love a mute. So to, to answer your question very succinctly now, um, it took me years, really, yeah. to feel comfortable to ask for the show that I wanted. It started with these four things I know are true. That was the show. Right. I didn't know anything was true. Yeah. I knew I was young, and I was muting Bob Ryan, who's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Jackie right. McMone is the Basketball Hall of Fame. Jay Mariotti, who's... But, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> good place to stop there. Uh, we'll get back to him. Izzy, I'm curious, when you joined the show, because you joined before I did by, by a fair bit, um, did it feel easy because for me my first day I should have been a lot more scared than I was but Tony walked me through everything and like he made it really easy to just hop in. So it's I'm glad that you asked about the early days is because so I started in 2008 was my first uh, round of shows Mm -hmm. and so that was less than a year after I'd become a columnist for the Miami Herald and you know once you become a general columnist they're like oh you can talk about anything not just basketball so boom it was the sports reporters and around the horn were the two programs that asked me on um and so i first went on not really having i'm not having a national um, reputation whatsoever i was you know sort of the new kid in town and i always feel that way which is funny but um I get there and I'm still trying to create a name for myself as somebody who is, and this is just my reputation, my personality. You guys know that I'm more of the straight and narrow guy, Stara. I know you know that. Uh, and so That's straight and narrow. Right. And well, I mean, I had been. <laughs> and <time>. so <laughs> this was a stage in the show where, A, I didn't know who the hell I was as a human being, right? I just right, knew who right. I was as a, as a journalist. Um, but I'm on the show and we're doing, and this is Tony's open. And like, I loved how much fun Tony tried to bring into the show. I did bring into the show. But we were doing things like in the intro, four of America's most fill in the blank. Yeah, right. Yeah, true. And yeah. so regardless of whatever what that word is or that phrase was, is we had to essentially act that out. And I remember one time in particular, um, I forget what it was that Tony said, four of America's most something. And they asked me, Aaron Solomon asked me, our producer, to like, sort of pretend to be a cat, like lick like, my paws <laughs> and just kind of like, and I'm, I'm saying to myself, I'm like, man, I'm, 
31. More of America's feistiest reporters. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm saying to myself, is this really the way I want I saw to my trade? <laughs> and it flashed before. Yeah. Full stop. Next three years, he's Justin Bieber, Drake, and then soon That's, to be Cardi B no, 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 for Halloween. No, no. So, so, so the, the part, the gap in between is so 2008 and like, and I, my, my personality, I didn't have one yet, like really for camera. So it yeah. was like, I was just not very good. And it was kind of, I, want, I like to say it was mutual, but really I just think that Aaron and the guys are just like, hey, go ahead and take a break. And so I wasn't on the show anymore. I was still on Sports Reporters and I was happy. I was like, haha, that's what their professionals are, right? They're on Sports Reporters. They create a name for themselves. And then they go off and show off their personality. Well, I'd stopped doing Around the Horn around 2009, maybe 2010, I can't remember exactly. And then I got hired full time with ESPN in 2012. And that was finally the job they had offered me that I wanted, MBA writing, um, a little bit of TV here and there. And then I just kind of went over to the, to, the, to the ATH guys and said, can I get another run at this? And they're yeah. like, sure. And I remember the first time I won, I think it was a Peyton Manning cut that meat reference in my FaceTime or something. <laughs> and I remember Tony just saying that I felt like a different person now. Okay. And it just so happened that that was like in that time I had come out personally and had met, you know, at the time my partner, David, and I, w I did feel like a different person. Yeah. I did feel yeah. like I had some yeah. personality. And then I just felt like I fit right in. Yeah. And so that was when I was just like, all right, I want to get on this Halloween episode. And the first one that I did was as Obama. And I think I was the first person who stayed in character throughout, which kind yeah. of set the tone yeah. for the next, you know, eight years coming. Yeah. And um, that's and then so to, to, it goes back to your question you were talking about with Tony in terms of the tone and the feel of the show is like Tony's imprint has just gotten stronger and stronger as the years go by. Mm -hmm. And there's just not only is there like a family feel to the show, but there's like a heart to the show that wasn't yeah. there yeah. when it well, first started. And and so much of that is that Tony figures out what people care about, what they like, what motivates them. Yeah he makes them feel comfortable in being themselves and he brings that out in them. And he, and he, so, I mean, there was a time when I, we do these behind the horn or after the horns and I forgot the character I played in the Willy Wonka play in junior high <laughs> and so Tony true. corrected. Me. I corrected you on your own life. On my own <laughs> life. And we posted it and someone goes, how does Tony know more about you than yourself? And I'm like, I think he's a great listener. Because in the moment, I was like, oh, yeah, Veruca Salt. I want that was it now. <laughs> I want to party. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, man, this guy is on top of it. But you do. You make everyone feel so. Well, I, I, I think the job as host changed in my mind. You're asking me how I came, became comfortable in the job. It became, it went away from being, well, I have to be smooth and I have to. I mean, they brought in a voice coach to work with me to lose Staten Island, New Jersey. <laughs> I, there was pressure on me in my head. You know, you view yourself as the object of the sentence and not the subject of your sentence. We talk about this all the time, Sarah, yeah. with, with, with social media or with trying to impress other people with suits. When you're 25-year-old and you're making your TV hosting debut, you're trying to impress other people. You can't be right. a fully formed person. But the idea was, I want to be a host that knows everything about sports and can win the argument to, I want to be a host that's going to put you guys in a position to score, of course, yeah. but to make you forget you're on TV. And then to have my two favorite secret sauce of television, the most relatable, unpredictable moment, you know? What, give me the sports expertise. Give me everything you have. Uh, you know, deliver it in an entertaining way. This is how you tick off the points, people. Delivery, yeah. point of view, style, information, accuracy, statistics. 
but make it relatable and watchable. It's so much more fun to watch and be a part of that show than other ones. Whenever people ask me my favorite thing to do, I love this podcast. I love the freedom and length of radio. It's three hours or whatever, but I always say around the horn because it is a family and because it's fun, I can show up at set and have a terrible day and then realize as I'm leaving that I'm in a great mood from being at work with my friends who I, some of whom I haven't even met in person. And that's, that's the that's other part of it, Sarah, you know, yeah. I flew out and I met everybody in the first installment of the show. First time I met Israel was at an NBA finals Mavericks heat years back, the first time around. And uh, we played ball together and, and, and we hung out together and we had Levitard in common. We went to dinner that night. It was at uh, Gloria Stefan's place. We got a little chance to know each other, but Israel and I have been together in our lives. 10 times at the most, maybe That's eight. Wild. But you usually were at it's on, like, you were at his wedding. And I was at his wedding, yes. But usually moment. it's on railroad tracks, so we're having a, a sit-up contest. Yeah, you were actually the photographer for that <laughs> photo shoot where he's shirtless uh, on the train track. Sarah, you and I got together. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've been together five times in the same place. So, yeah. I mean, I want to give you around the horn some credit. We were ahead of the game with social distancing and, and Zooming. <laughs> yeah. this is, we were ahead of the credit with we're muting the debates. We're Hello. But we all know now how difficult it is to be a normal human person in this situation. Well, that's what we were all up against. You making your yeah. debut and around the horn. But it was never it. abnormal. And that's what's crazy about it is the connections that you feel with the people that you, some of them you've never met in person. Um, you know, I was bummed that Woody couldn't end up making it today. Because uh, uh, uh. Woody has a lot of stories. And Woody's been around since the beginning. Yeah. But someone else you mentioned earlier, uh, Mariotti, who was around at the beginning. I, yeah. The story that you have, so people are always asking, about the points and does, do, you, do you care if you win and do you know if you're going to win? Oh, this is, I mean, and most of us kind of get it. Every once in a while, there has been a, there was one show, but thankfully I didn't have to say it. Everybody else said it for me. All of social media was like, why didn't Sarah win, Tony? Yeah. Sarah was the best. Yeah. Why didn't you, why didn't Sarah yeah. win every time, that Tony? Happens. And um, that hurts me. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I kick myself after those shows. It doesn't hurt me. I'm sorry. I mean, half the time it's like, why do you always let Sarah win? You're the worst. And then at the same time, you never let Sarah win. You're the worst. Well, so, I don't really I think, think about who's winning. It's not I, don't, I don't think about who's winning. Sometimes I will fully admit here, if you want this to be a secret, be ahead. We talk about what, who's got the FaceTime in the last commercial break before we go on. Right. And there are times when it's somebody's based on charity or story. I mean, today is an example. A story I knew we wanted in the show that we couldn't get into the show. You were just talking about it with Fowdy. And it was, it was the San Diego Loyal. And yeah. it was a team walking off the field. They, get, they may take a forfeit. They're getting a win in my book for what right. they did. I couldn't really get in the show. It's not really a debate. But that's an instance where, you know what? Uh, the points are going that I way. Mean, I also deserve to win because I was the best. So oh, yeah, it worked out great. Too. It was an easy one for you. We've had panelists before who have told me they don't have a FaceTime. And yeah. to that I say, Israel, 30 seconds of FaceTime, Israel Gutierrez. Right. And what happened, you, Israel? You teed me up there on a couple of things. One, um, <laughs> shout out to you, Sarah, for your FaceTime today. It was fantastic. Thank you. Um, and same to Landon Donovan, yep. but also to Colin Martin. Because I think yeah. this is one of the things, and Colin Martin, I don't think anybody's mentioned his name. He's the player, uh, the openly gay player on the San Diego Loyal who um, was referred to, and I think we can say this on here, right, as Bitch Boy by... Uh, uh, Batty Boy, which is the Jamaican version, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is that what it was? Sorry. Batty Boy. I did not know it's, that, it's, unfortunately, it's even worse than that. In some Jamaican songs, uh, particularly by one artist, it's used for uh, gay men or effeminate men, but also in uh, calls to violently attack and Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this goes back to like there's areas of the world and countries that, you know, most people don't 
have to think about this, but I have to think about it. Like, do I want to visit this country or this, you know, place because, you know, they might not accept me or what have you. But, um, you know, the thing I kept thinking about was Colin, though, was just like I, you know, as a closeted gay person, never wanted to be the center of attention. I certainly didn't want to be the reason my team did something they didn't want to do. You know what I'm saying? And you're talking about giving up as a playoff game, right? You're talking Uh, about right before the playoffs. Yeah. Okay. So you're talking about walking off the field. And again, all you want to do is be one of the guys. And now, you know, the guys have your back and that feels good, but you don't want to be the reason why this is all happening. And so like, I want him to know that it's worth it, that it doesn't matter. Don't worry. Don't feel like shit. If, if, you know, if you feel like it's because of you, it's way more important than, you know, any singular game. But, um, well, and so, it was really powerful in the video to see not only how much Landon fought for him, but his teammate yeah. who had to be held back. Yeah. That was the most powerful to me that it wasn't Colin doing it. It was his teammate who was furious to be on that behalf clear of eyed his in the friend and his teammate. Is what it is. I mean, to yeah. be that clear eyed of, of how you want your sport to be and how you want the world to be. I mean, we yeah. can always mm-hmm. think about it five minutes after. I wish I had done this. They, they, right. did, they it. did it. They had an experience well, one and- week earlier. I mean, <laughs> with racist yeah. slur. So, so, but. But so that's a story that we need in the show. And a FaceTime that we needed in the show was the day Israel won. And what happened, Israel? You told me you didn't have one. And so you didn't, told me have, I didn't one. have a FaceTime, right? I told him I didn't have a FaceTime. And look, again, it was my first go around on the show. Oh, and I had great. already gotten shit about like one time I he thought Tony thought I was looking down at notes. I just happened to be looking down I at apologize. something. And like I had to play along and just get you right. know, I apologize. Get right. yeah. Um but yeah, so he gives me the FaceTime and I'm just like in my head, I'm like, you're going to bust, right? Like, we're going to stop, right? We're going to ah! do And so he just keeps, like, he, like, I just, you know, what were you doing? You were pestering me. Like, what? You don't have one? And I just started talking about how busy I was and how I just landed that morning. And, like, <laughs> in my head, I said, if I just curse right now. They got to redo it. Over, we'll redo it. And yeah, that is an incredible segue. But incredible. We, ne- we don't tape the show live, but we almost never retape it. It's yeah, one right. of those shows where it's not like you flip a lo- flub a line and they start over. If you flub, you oh, okay, re-rack, start well, over. Like, you are not to mess up because you don't want to be right. the person that gets everything started over. Well, there are times, though, we will do a segment over again because of technical, and then right. someone or like else a wins. Trade happens someone else wins. wins. That's a secret right. that there are lost wins for basically every panel. I made sure everybody right. said that. But this was but, uh, but Izzy, so did you swear? No, I didn't. I just oh. played along with it. My face was probably turning red. I was just Only like, one right, panelist has ever sweared on purpose to bust a segment, and they did it multiple times. Was it Jay Mariotti? Exactly. All right, let's get back to that story. Yeah. We were talking about winning, oh and we all might have a show where we thought we nailed it or a FaceTime we wanted to give, but we all also understand like the show is about everybody gets their turn, and you're going to have your off day and your on day. Yeah. But I, you told us about Mariotti. And oh, I man. I mean, so, so there were a number of personalities that I was not prepared for as a 24- or 25-year-old host <laughs> to begin with. Woody's one of them because yeah. he's doing his own show. He's doing a show separate to the show we're doing. Right. Okay? I'll give you a secret about- It's adjacent. About- it's, it's adjacent. a show adjacent. It's yeah. exactly right, right. Uh, and then Mariotti was a character I've never really come across. He was relentless as uh, an iTunes update, as I like to say about you, <laughs> but in a different way, Sarah. And I mean, what a hard worker. I, I should say that. And I should also say I have- this, this, this year, I reached out to him and we finally reconnected after a couple of years where I was trying to reconnect with him. And I did that for a reason. I did that for myself. Mm-hmm. I wanted to project to him that, um, well, he, he hasn't been on the show for 10 years after a, a domestic violence incident. 
that um, I haven't done the full research on, on what happened, but he has told me it was expunged. I, I want to say that off, off the top here. I, don't, I, I haven't done the research, but in our conversation, but I needed to tell him I was a young man at the time hosting a show. I, was, um, I, I took instruction to not reach out to him um, in the first moments after because anything might be construed as me saying the network supports him or doesn't support him. Right. And I took that instruction and I would not do that now as an adult. And I wanted to convey to him that I don't throw people away, but I first and foremost want to convey to him, I believe women. And I believe the severity of domestic violence always and the position we're all in, that's a non-starter for our show. And I wanted to convey that to him. But I also wanted to see how he was doing because I I knew he would have been the type of person who would have been an incredibly, um, that's a challenge for him to deal with. Because he was a worker and he was a worker every day. And I found this out the first week I'm doing the show. I'm barely making it through clothes by the end of the week, Sarah. I'm out of clothes. Now today I wear the same thing every day, but yeah. back then I only had one, <laughs> one shirt. I was sweating through it profusely every show. I'm a mess. I'm just trying to get to the finish line. And within a week or two, I get back to the office to see a red blinking light. Half of our audience doesn't even know what that means. Yeah. But a red blinking light means you've got a voicemail. Yeah. Message Not on a from. It was on a. It was, phone. A, it was on my like voice. A, yeah. A voicemail that on my... connects it to the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Who's on the blower? Um. You know. So so it was like message from Jay Mariotti. Time two minutes and fifty seven seconds. I'm like, oh my god, that's longer than his FaceTime would have been. Okay, that's longer than our entire C block would have been. Yeah. Um, and Tony, I thought I'd make some really great points today. And it would always have the same type of, you know, everything's fine. Everything's fine. And then on the back end, not everything's fine, which is, I think, counter to most people vent it out. And then you say, but you know what? And you end your email with, you know, I see where we can go here and build yeah. on this and let's move on together. And you rally the troops at the end. No, it was, it was the exact opposite of that. So I got messages more and more oral on the regular from <laughs> Jay about oh. how he wanted to win the show on, or how he w- thought he won the show on days. And I tried to convey to him without, you know, breaking whatever wall we're dealing with. We're a meta-referential show, a show about sports that scores this, like it's sport while we're talking about sports. But, the, you know, without breaking whatever wall it is, I, I'm trying to tell him, you know, I I got to make sure everybody gets a win once every, you know, a while. Yeah. And, and you're on every single day. And, you know, and I, and, you know, so that I wasn't prepared for that. I wasn't prepared for a personality that, that would take it that seriously. I understand why at that age we're on TV yeah. nationally, internationally. I've, I've been to church in Ghana and people have come up to me before. <laughs> all right. I recognize and I know what kind of privilege that is. And I recognize the, the incredible tightrope, you especially, Israel, Sarah, are walking. The tightrope you walk just by putting your face on TV, Sarah, mm-hmm. and Israel. I recognize what that is. I hold that close to my heart, and it's in the back of my head in every show. But you take care of it, which is why we love doing the show. Because yeah. you understand more so than the average straight white dude yeah. that Israel is going to get shit for being gay, and I'm going to get shit for being yeah. a woman, and yeah. we don't need to make it worse or harder for us unless it's necessary. And you protect us in that way, but not in a way that keeps us from criticism that we deserve, just in ways that protect us from unnecessary bullshit, which we get all the time, which, you know, I said with the crayon hair, when you first told us, I said, how nice that you get to say I'm a silver fox. And if I have like one fingernail that's slightly broken, it's like, I'm wearing the same shirt for the 80th day in a row. 
Okay? Yeah. I don't get one note about that. Yeah. The point is, um, I, I want to put you all in position to get your FaceTimes regularly. The show is about scoring and winning. But what I want the viewer to get at the end of the show was that all those voices and perspectives have value yeah. and matter. That's is what it, I want. Izzy, I wonder, and quickly, because we're already past time, but I don't oh, care because we're going to do some questions and dilemmas yeah. and it's going to be fun. But I'm curious, Izzy, when issues like maybe something with San Diego Loyal or anything relating to LGBTQ or anything like that would come up before you came out and then after, how different was it for you? And was there a fear of, as I'm talking about this, people are going to know that I'm gay? Like deep down, they're going to be able to tell through what I'm saying. Yep. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of holding back on what I really wanted to say. Um, there was a lot of just, you know, echoing other people, letting them say it first and then just me saying it afterward. Um, you know, it was, it, it turned, you, you could feel the difference afterward. It just felt freer. I remember whatever topics, whether it be Darius Geis, whether it be, um, you know, any sort of, uh, slur or anything, you know, for there be a star or a, uh, an right. NBA player or something said, it just felt like something I really wanted to say, something I needed to get off my chest. It felt like something that I knew the show in particular would allow me to say. And um, I think that's where, like, I don't remember anything negative. Um, I don't remember anybody in particular, um, you know, other than a random hooligan here and there on Twitter or whatever. But I think, you know, where it really started to, to sink in just, just sort of speaking in, in these genuine feelings and, and, and opinions. Um, and I was at a bar, uh, I was outside of a bar actually, it was called the G bar. They had to change their name from the G spot. It was a, a lesbian bar and uh, their slogan. No was, one could find it. If you found us, you're here. I think was their slogan. Um, <laughs> Too easy. Not finding it, but the joke. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, this young lady was outside and, she was from, from Colorado, I believe, and she had said something to the effect of, you know, this was like a bucket list moment for me. You know, I've been trying, I really wanted to meet you and it's crazy that I get to meet you here of all places and, you know, all the things that you've done for the, you know, LGBT community. And I just said, I was like, I haven't done anything. And it's just, it's just as simple as being able to, to talk about these things yeah. um, at, with this platform and just not holding back. And I've become kind of an open book like um, I was thinking about Tony I was like I think you'd rather get those voicemails from Mariotti than the calls from me where I'm just a <laughs> blubbering mess and I just need your advice about stuff but uh, I think um, you know that stuff is it's just been it's been a real game changer a sort of life changer for me um, just being able to talk about it and then it just you know I get like these proud yeah. moments when I hear you you know uh, with your par uh, parting shot with your uh, FaceTime today so yeah it's all just yeah. really cool. It's an awesome place for it. And I think everybody recognizes that people can tell that we all, you know, love and care for each other and lift each other up in, in ways. And when we take shots at each other, it's allowed and it's fun because they know that it's all from a good place. Even with Woody, sometimes people message me and I'm like, Woody and I get along great. He sent me an email a week into being on the show. You totally get it. You're not trying too hard with a million stats. You want to take shots at other people and you yeah. get what the show's about. And, you know, sometimes every once in a while I have to call them out for unnecessarily telling us that some antiquated uh, baseball player was married to Miss America in 1991. And I'm like, unnecessary info, Woody. <laughs> but other than that, like, we're, we're, we're great. And it's such a fun show because of all the different people. Uh, we're running long, which okay. is exactly what I anticipated. But I do want to get some of these questions, assuming okay, you guys still have a minute. And I'll sneak in some more secrets and nuggets in the answer. Okay, yeah, secrets. 
sneak, sneak in some more nuggets. I like this one from Frank in McKinney, Texas. Who actually has the better workout routine, Izzy or sneaky fit Tony? Tony's not oh. sneaky fit anymore because he posts a lot of photos shirtless on Insta. Well, but if you, I'm you, jumping in a pool with my daughter, am I supposed to be wearing like uh -huh. a, oh, uh, one of and the imagine old And imagine keeping that photo to yourself. How could you possibly? <laughs> It's Israel. The answer is Israel. I barely have time to, to work out. I mean, this, this is, you know, I, I get hurt when I work out a lot too, you know. Um, I haven't worked out with weights in probably eh, a year. That's you know? unfair. Okay, shut up. That's annoying because we've seen what the product is. I do athlete zero. I mean, okay, I, I so, kind of so dig it. Yeah. Izzy wins then. Izzy's workout routine is more legit. He shrugged I mean, and his traps were like- Shout out to my, uh, oh, yeah, my buddy, Tony, who's like one of my best friends now and started off as my trainer. Yeah. Um, hey. You know, yeah. I, it's, it's funny because people say, oh, discipline, this, and this, and that. Like in my head, I'm just like, shit, if I don't go today, Tony's going to be so pissed. There and you so, go. Right. <laughs> or so he's going to be so let down or something. Not this Tony, but the other Tony. But this uh, right, right, right. Not this, no, no, no. this Tony would also be pissed. Yes, I don't check in with reality after every workout. No, <laughs> anymore. Um, Asam, who's a all regular oh, listener. Oh, we, we know Asam. We yeah. all know Asam. And from shout Buffalo, out to Morgan from Australia from earlier. Yeah, yeah Morgan I, from Australia. We love her from the Levitard and Friends. Um, uh, not Levitard and Friends, but the Lauer after, after Hours. Lauer after. Yeah, Lauer After Hours. Um, Asam wants to know, Izzy, do you wish that you had worked in the NBA bubble? And would you have said yes if oh, asked? Good question. You know, it's a great question. Um, so at the time when it was all just being sorted out and we were all just on pins and needles trying to find out who was going to go, I was one, I mean, 50-50 right on the fence. Tony's favorite thing to take points away for. Um, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Because I'm like, I want to be there for that experience. I really do. Um, it would just be one of those career moments. It just, it, I just started uh, thinking of being in Beijing for the Olympics in 08 and thought right. like this would be really cool. Um, and then, you know, after getting the word that I wasn't going to go and I got like a word about a week before and it was just, um, you know, very close call, I guess you could say. And some things happened to me personally within that stretch, right? I ended up closing on this condo that we just got. Um, my ex-husband passed away in that stretch and it was all very much a surprise. Mm -hmm. Like I only found out about two weeks earlier. Right. And there's no way if I was in that bubble would I have been able to stay there. There's just yeah. too much going on. I wouldn't have been able to focus. So, you know, they saying everything happens for a reason type of stuff. Um, but more than anything, like I'm just happy for like a Malika Andrews who gets to go out there and do She's this job and it. she killed it and she yeah. absolutely killed it. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and watching Lisa, you know, Maria Taylor gets a lot of uh, publicity well-deserved. And I think Lisa Salter deserves as much publicity, you know, for, for having worked in this business for so long and being such right. a professional and everything else. So, um, no, I mean, the, the people that represented ESPN in that bubble were great. And so I have no, uh, <laughs> no issues with not going at all. Yeah, it worked out. It worked out for sure. It sounds like, um, all right, a couple more. We need quick answers on yeah. these. Tony, Emily Oswald from LA, what athletes would have the best takes if you had a players only around the horn? Oh, good question. Uh, I mean, best or most entertaining, Kyrie Irving. I put him on there. Yeah. Um, he, he's either making content or yeah. making anti-content. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I would put Kyrie Irving on there. Um, I've been really impressed with Naomi Osaka, especially in the last, uh, you know, or the last two or three tournaments that I've seen her in. Um, her post was great. So I would put Osaka in there. Um, I think you need an old wily veteran, you know, who's been around a little bit and not afraid to spill some tea. So maybe a Jay Cutler like oh, person. Oh, okay. Oh, so oh. Cutler. 
Plus, you know, he can bring the cigarette. It could be dangling from his exactly. mouth. Exactly. Talking that would be. You just good. answer. Don't care to yeah. all your questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, Tyson in there somewhere. Yeah. You want Tyson? You want you? Oh you, God! You, you, you oh, we Tyson? just created the hardest to moderate panel. Um, <laughs> if we're not going for content shock value, I will throw in uh, Renee Montgomery, Megan Rapino. Yeah, Rapino would be good. And uh, CJ McCollum's an interesting cat too. He'd be a great one. Damian Lillard yeah, also. Really I like I like all those dudes. Okay. Um, Chrissy Teleric or Teleric of Demott, Indiana wants to know if you would ever start your own pod, Tony, and talk about issues like depression and news of the day and stuff because she loves your views. Oh, thank you for saying that, uh, Chrissy or Christy. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely have visions and ideas for that. Right now, I'm definitely uh, happy with the decision I made to take on the brunt of dad life um, that's coming after losing Amadeo two years ago mm -hmm. and dealing with that grief, but also fully enjoying watching my wife basically take over the world um, in her <laughs> Your wife is a badass. And that's been an incredible thing for our family to see uh, mommy um, do some incredible things. And then that's what it takes in a, in a relationship to have that type of partnership. I haven't taken on a second show, which is something I want to do, whether it's a podcast or it's, it's my vision to do an Anthony Bourdain style show, a sports, a thread that runs through people and connects people um, yeah. that's, that's, you know, wants to, I want to touch on those issues that are mental health, uh, that are, I mean, talk about today, you know, um, mm -hmm. the news of Chrissy Teigen and John Legend yeah. losing their child late in, in, um, in utero. And, um, that's, that's similar to our experience. And I had a chance to, to flesh that out a little bit on, on Twitter. Yeah, of course, a podcast would be a wonderful. You would be, you would be great. And you're a voice that people need to hear more from because we hear a lot of it off the air and then you get your minute or so in every once in a while where people get to hear it and on Twitter, but well, I mean, uh, it's important to be effective in how you deliver that. I agree, but yeah. I think you could effectively. I did that today purposefully. Uh, yeah. People say I responded to Whitlock. What are you responding to? I know Jason for a while and I know I can, you know, we're not going to get loopy, Jason and I. We could have a conversation. But right. I know I was using him right. as a way to into this conversation without even talking about him or even talking about John Legends and Chrissy Teigen. I want to talk right. to people. Right. Yeah. Um, both of you, Rachel Ocampo or Rossiel Ocampo of Chicago, what have you learned that you can live without during quarantine or maybe just will save you money to skip post-quarantine? <laughs> Israel, you go first. I mean, the first answer was haircuts because uh, was, <laughs> that's a great answer. You noticed. <laughs> yeah. Um, what can I live without? I learned that I, I really miss flag football like a ton. Mm. Okay. I miss that as just part of an exercise routine. Uh, what can I live without? Hmm. This is tougher than it think. Than I'll it take is. it then. I am uh, as extroverted as, as, as somebody possibly can be, I think a lot of people would say. I have no problem staying in. I have no problem. Um, I, 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 I've refound, I can't, my, I can't live without music. I can't live without making music. I, I, I said that I refound it, but it, I've been, I brought a piano to the house and then drums to the house in the last four years as a way to just release some energy and stress I had in my life. And then during this pandemic, it's been wonderful making music yeah. with the kids. I can't live without going crazy with the kids making music. Yeah. Well, the question was, what can you live without? Oh, so something okay. you're able so to whatever. I went with haircuts too, because most of mine's fake. And so you, as I pointed out on the show before, no one can tell because it never got any longer because the ends of it are not mine. Uh, I so I was cool with that. answer here. And this is, this is sad because I was a real sneakerhead for a while, but 
there's nowhere to show off your shoes if you're not leaving the house. And yeah. I realize that there's nowhere to buy a bunch of shoes if you can just spend your money on other things. So that's, the shoes that's is true. probably the number one answer. I have a lot of cute sneakers and handbags that were purchased in the months just before. And I've been like, none of them. I can't. Well, you have no, no spring season. Yeah, you have yeah. no spring yeah. season at all. Yeah. Um, uh, both guys from Daryl Keith in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Ah. I'm in recovery over a year clean, but I still have some financial problems and I have a hard time breaking bad habits. Any advice? So I'm just going to start by saying I love books about habit changing. I find them fascinating. And so three that I've read recently that I really like are Better Than Before by Gretchen Rubin. Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg, I just started. And then The Power of Habit, which is like the one everybody knows, but I hadn't read before by Charles Duhigg. There's a lot of stuff in there that you would never think about, like habit pairing. So the idea of if you know that every day you brush your teeth and there's something else you want to do, then put something next to your toothbrush, like the (laughs) vitamin you get. And when you go to brush your teeth, you see the thing, oh yeah, I've got to do that. Or I only get to watch this show I love on the treadmill. So I have to walk for 20 minutes a day to see that 22 minutes of that sitcom. I only watch it. So this habit pairing like thing, there's a couple tick trips or uh, uh, tricks in all of those books that are all different. And then you find the one that works for you. Some people are all or nothing. Some people are a little bit at a time, but you got to try all the different kinds. And those books are great at introducing you to different ways to learn how to change your habits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a ton of different. And, and so I'm not a haven't been big on changing habits. So I don't know like the tricks and I'm sure a lot of these books are or have, but I just know that um, writing things out a lot, like in terms of um, whether it be something that you're trying to get to. So, you know, you can't just say to yourself, I'm going to start doing this. Maybe it's a goal you want to get to um, writing things down, having, having sort of checklists yeah. of, of accomplishments. Right. Um, I think that always helps. And just to give you sort of a positive feeling, because you need to know that it's not going to be an immediate change. It's going to be gradual steps. So you need to recognize what those steps are so you can feel good that you're heading in that direction. Um, but in the overall, I would say that, and I would say having somebody in your life who is honest with you and who, who checks you on what, um, what you are doing wrong or what you shouldn't be doing and that you just know that that person always has your back. It's huge. Really easy to tell yourself things, but somebody else holding you accountable can call you out when you're spinning lies in your head about why you're doing something. I was just listening to Dax Shepard on his podcast talking about losing his 16 years of sobriety from pills. And it was such a fascinating listen because he did go through all the different ways that he told himself, no, but this one I'm in control of and I'm not buying them. And then everybody, nobody knows. I'm not really lying about it. And then as all of those different moments went away where now I started buying them, now I'm lying about them. Now I'm taking them even when it's not for an accident that I had or an injury you know, it's fascinating to hear how when you just talk yourself through it aloud to someone else, you're like, oh, I can hear no. it. I can hear myself making excuses. Once you vocalize shit. it, yeah. you, you, you express it in a different way and it registers in a different way. I add it to everything they said was great. But but one thing you never want to forget and, and well done on a year. And that's that's yeah. something that's great is don't be so hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't beat yourself up. Guilt is a wasted emotion. It's wasted energy. Um. I, I, I'd hazard to say in a lot of ways, there are really few negative emotions. Emotions are just emotions and either positive or negative and you ride them like a wave. And, and, but, but guilt is one and, and feeling bad about yourself having habits or, you know, it, it, you just talked about Dak Shepard in any situation, you know, there's going to be a bump on the road. You're going to have to re-navigate in any way, but don't be so hard on yourself over what that is. That's yeah. just life. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. All right. We're, we're definitely out of time. So very quick one. Uh, who's your favorite guest panelist, Tony, and your favorite guest host? This okay. is from Eric in Evansville, Indiana. Okay. okay. Uh, I've, been, I've loved putting Sarah in the host position. Absolutely loved it. You know, a tough gig. Um, uh, it's, 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 an, it's important for people to see a woman in that role. It's important for people to see Sarah in that role. That, let's just answer it like that. Um, I, well, I want to talk about Woody Page, all right? Because this is my, one of my favorite stories in the history of the show. I don't know what I believe, as with all Woody Page stories, but he had a blackboard, which people ask, who's the star of the show? It's the blackboard behind yeah. Woody Page. We yeah. can't really see it. I don't have a clear shot of it, at least. I'm not sure. I can never see it until yeah. I'm- yeah. We can't see like, it at all. Oh, no, it was about me. I would have taken yeah, a shot making, he's it. making jokes about us. Yeah. I, I wrote the foreword to his book. He asked me to write the foreword, like forward pass. But I wrote the foreword, because yeah. that's the actual. Uh, <laughs> Woody. Um, Blackboard behind him, one show, said, call 1-800-555-HORN. And if you called that number, it would take you to one of the hottest telephone lines in the world. Oh, no. Yes, a sex line. Woody what? sent viewers to a sex line with the blackboard behind him, 1-800-555-HORN. Nobody he did this on purpose or not, he has never admitted to me. He says no. I really. I. I, I, I want to know what way. other letters that spells. Like, what other word does horn spell? Is it? Is it horny? And then I think they just horn is on its own, yeah. Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, well, that was probably horny, and it's they know the last number doesn't matter. You're gonna get to the same place. It's entirely possible because they made the right double digits. So yeah. So Woody in his blackboard, which got suspended for a week after that, or at least asked to not come up for a week. Yeah. Yeah. One eight hundred five 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 horn. And that's what she said, basically. Yeah. Right. Oh, he didn't I ask me, one. but my favorite guest panelist is Lil Wayne because now he answers me on my Instagram DMs. We're best nice. friends. Nice. Yeah. I, so I said this before when I had Golik Sr. on my podcast, but I want you to have a show at least with four great people yeah. from the network that have yeah. never done Around the Horn. Yeah. Just a one-off. Wouldn't necessarily, I know you've wanted to put together that sort of best of with, a, with an Much Oberman more. and a Patrick. Imagine. and a, yeah. I would love to see that. But I also think it would be a very cool exercise every once in a while because you do have a show five days a week. Like, yeah. there's no harm in having a show where you've got, like, a, you know, a, I would love to see Golik. I would love to see Wingo. I would love to see some of the old, you know, guys who've been around the network for a yeah, long Kenny time. Kenny Maine would do some damage on her oh, show. Oh, Kenny Maine yeah. would break the points. And but, Linda Cohn give me a little Long Island but accent. Here's the thing. There With we Kenny go. Main, you'd have to watch it four times in order to get all the times that his joke was too smart for all of us, exactly. and then retroactively exactly. give him all the points for all yeah. the times that he was. You could have him and Kalisha on; it'd be the driest show ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. I I mean, we could go on forever, but we we already uh, we're way past the time. Thank you guys for doing this. You're the best. Um, so many more secrets to give out, so we'll have to do it again. Yeah, yeah. yeah dive even deeper, and mm -hmm. maybe bring on Woody to answer to the one eight hundred five 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 horny. There's a story. There's a story in there. You know. You know. Woody is the author of the funniest joke ever by a columnist. Really? Everybody's gathered together. Maybe in the Super Bowl or the finals, and everybody's in the hotel lobby, and somebody, a lady, walks up to everybody gathered and says something to the effect of, "If you got fifty dollars, I'll give you anything." He goes, "Here's twenty-five. If I can get a column and a box." <laughs> and, a, and, and, a, and a report, you know, he has to do his column for Write it. Write a story. <laughs> oh, I don't know where the rest of that story goes, but I like it. I like it. Um, 
Awesome to have you guys on. Thank you to everybody who watched and who stuck around. I know this was longer than we said, but that's exactly what I anticipated based on the number of loquacious talkers that I invited to come on my podcast with someone who's already loquacious. Thank you for all the questions and dilemmas submitted. By the way, there were so many that we didn't get to that I'm going to try to answer a bunch of them that were for me or maybe get these guys to answer them on another podcast. Uh, So thanks for watching. Thanks for supporting. Uh, Thanks for subscribing. Hopefully you do. So that's what she said. And uh, yeah, this was fun. I didn't drop that many so we won't have to edit that many out. Hey. Hi, everyone. <laughs>